Welcome in once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how we doing, man? You know, it's uh it's a good part of the year. We're both uh unfortunately I did not continue our unbeaten streak on the pod. We had gone three straight two no's. I'm sorry to let everybody down, but uh, it's been a great season so far. Um, so you're saying in the last four pods, we're a paltry seven and one on best bets. I mean, could be a little bit worse. I think on average we'd be four mm. and four if you uh, <laughs> if you weren't an expert like AJ and I. But um, you know, it's been it's been a good year. I'm sorry to let the people down. Um, sorry to all of Wisconsin. I just I had too much faith in a Badgers team that seemed like they got ran out of the building. Yeah. Uh... Not a not the best badge performance, and Illinois is a tough team to call because, like, they, I think it's certainly a different team than what we saw early in the season. I think that's the the best way to put it is they are they're a lot better than they looked early on. It seemed like you know they've sort of found themselves a little bit. So maybe I, I I'm certainly going to be careful fading that team going forward, but it happens. We'll, we'll and you know what, Griff, the great thing is. We've got we've got this episode to go two and zero and get us right back on track. So all good. is well, my friend. Uh, we will go our usual format where we go through the four big games of the week, and uh, that's for Monday through Thursday games. And then we'll uh, we'll give our best bets, and we'll probably give you a promo code help you save some money along the way. That's usually the way we like to roll. So let's jump into it and let's stay in or let's start in the Big Twelve, I guess where. We have your alma mater, Texas, second pod in a row. We're talking about them because they played Tennessee. I was like, ooh, if you give me eight points, I'm going to like Tennessee. And uh, the final score, let's just say the final score was closer than the game was. Uh, Texas absolutely got mollywopped by Tennessee. And Texas got it a little closer late in the game than it should have been. But they were completely outplayed, mostly due to the fact that they got dominated on the glass. I think that was a, and they couldn't make a shot for one. Uh, If you recall, if you've seen much of Baylor, they're playing a lot better of late. Uh, They've recently creeped back into the top 15 in Kimpom. The concern remains how well can they shoot away from home? Because that tends to be a problem. Three point shooting drops about 5% away from home which at, at home, they're like a top 40 three-point shooting team. On the road, they're like 180, and they shoot constantly. They they shoot about as much as anybody. So those going in is obviously key to them. Uh, they are bottom 10 nationally in terms of points off of two-pointers, but I do think that Baylor being an elite offensive rebounding team gets them some extra chances. Uh, I kind of lean to the Bears here. The, the Horns have only had the one loss at home, um, and that was the the blowout to Kansas State. But the Tech game, the TCU game, those were one-possession games. The Rice game went to overtime, although there were some uh, wild circumstances going on when that, <laughs> yes, when that game happened. Um, I, I'm projecting this as Texas minus three. If I get four or better, I'm probably going to be a Baylor man. What about you? Ooh, I would never say that I'm a Baylor man personally, but uh, maybe that's because of my allegiances. Um, I so currently we have a three or three and a half. It looks like in the market. yeah, that's kind of what I'm projecting. Yeah, um, nice projection. Um, I think I'm interested in the Baylor side more so than the Texas one. Um, 
it was not really a great performance in Knoxville. Tough place to play. Uh, really, to me, it looked like um, just men against boys on the interior. Uh, Tennessee, I think you you mentioned that they have an incredible three-point percentage defense um, on our last pod, and it was like kind of surprising. Um, but I don't know that Texas was the team to change that. Certainly didn't look good. Some of the shots that Marcus Carr was putting up looked really awful uh, late. Yeah, he had, a, he had an egg in the first half. Zero. Yeah, I you know, I I I don't think that I've been quiet about not really trusting this Texas team as highly ranked or rated as it is. Um, I do think that there's a different uh situation at home this year where um now that the they're in the Moody Center, they're not playing in the Frank Irwin Center, which was just the drum as it was called, because it was honestly so monstrous and had just so much empty space that really didn't give much of a, a home court advantage. Um, can't really explain why a very similar offense like Kansas State went off the way it did. Um, they shot really well, of course, but I think there's also a lot of problems in a like 141.4 offensive efficiency allowed. Not great in that one, but I do see Jerome Tang, a former assistant of Scott True, um, with kind of a similar style, which is shoot a lot of threes. And it worries me if Texas is not going to be able to defend that. I imagine that they'll probably take some some clues or keys from that matchup and will probably play a little bit more aggressively on perimeter defense. But um, as you said, Baylor's going to go on the road and they're going to launch a ton of threes. It's hard to really trust those to go in, especially, I think, against a Texas team that should be pretty motivated. Um, I think there are some clear parallels to that K-State loss. Um, and I don't know that there's enough here for me to want to back a Baylor team that I think can kill anyone if they shoot well. It's just really hard to trust that on the road. Yeah, tend to agree. Uh, it's probably going to be a stay away for me. But like I said, if I if I can get a good four, a solid four, I'll probably at least start to take note. Uh, let's move over to the Big Ten. And Indiana is going to be at Maryland. We're going to project Maryland about a two-point favorite. Uh, and the, Indiana's been kind of a different team since they got Race Thompson back from injury. I think it's not like Race Thompson's some sort of great player. But I do think that Race Thompson, it it helps TJD, who who is a great player. Uh, it, it helps open things up for him, and that in turn opens things up for their shooters outside. And Maryland has been dominant at home, but the schedule there has been kind of soft. The best win that they've got was Illinois, and that was back in early December. And we, you know, we just mentioned Illinois being a lot different team right now than they were early in the season. And uh, that was when they were, they, they, they weren't really a cohesive team. So beating them doesn't really impress me that their one loss at home was to UCLA and UCLA absolutely just obliterated them. I lean to Maryland struggling to deal with the front court of Indiana. Maryland can't hit threes. So that means that, that, means they don't have the tools they need to take advantage of the Hoosiers defensive weaknesses. So I'm probably leaning towards taking a couple points here with the Hoosiers. What about you? Uh, I am not in love with this Maryland team. Um, I'm not really sure the holdovers have really done a lot of kind of what we were expecting. As you mentioned, they've had a lot of home wins, but besides that, I feel like that's kind of been the story of their season. They play well at home. Um, they don't really do much in the road, which Obviously, hosting Indiana here uh, makes me lean toward uh, Maryland, though I don't think they're a beautiful team whatsoever, and it does worry me laying any sort of points in conference play this deep into conference play. 
Um, I think you said two for this one. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, Indiana, I still think they have problems shooting the three point shot. Um, Maryland clearly does as well, but I think they'll probably have an uptick or at least a higher ceiling at home versus, versus Indiana. Um, and I, I do worry though about how Maryland will go about stopping TJD inside because they seem to me to play kind of a, a much smaller lineup than than most teams should. I think Julian Reese at six foot nine to me is really of a, a like a four man, as is Dante Scott as well. Um, so I don't really know how they go in there, and, and I feel like if you're going to lay points, even at, at home with a small favorite, uh, less than a possession, I think you really need to worry about big mismatches like that. And, and unfortunately, I don't know how you win a game if TJG has a big night. I mean, maybe he gets in foul trouble and is, is limited or something like that. Something crazy happens. But um, that seems to me a, a huge hole in this matchup and this game plan. Um, so while I lean to Maryland, I just don't know if that's good enough for me to play uh, unless it's even gets smaller than, than the two you're projecting. Yeah, and it is my instinct. I think we've talked about it before, especially in the Big Ten. Like it, it, the first thing you start with, home team. Who's the home team? That's probably who I want to play. Uh, in this case, I'm certainly not going to be playing Maryland. Um, all right, let's move to the SEC, where it just means more. <laughs> uh, so they say, and a couple teams we haven't really talked about this year, and I wanted to try and and work some of those types of teams in. Uh, we talked about Baylor, Texas early, but Indiana, Maryland, we haven't talked a lot about A&M and Arkansas. We haven't talked at all, and I'm sure we haven't talked about the last two teams we'll get to, but uh, we're going to project Arkansas as a four point favorite at home against A&M. And these teams are kind of moving in different directions. Uh, if you let's say if you started the season at Christmas, the Aggies are nine and one, the Hogs are three and six, and Arkansas had won two straight before the the loss on Saturday at Baylor. But that's over Ole Miss and LSU, who are in the uh, conversation for weakest non South Carolina SEC team, and A and M is top four in both offensive and defensive efficiency in the SEC since conference play started. They are playing really good ball. They're attacking the basket. They get to the free throw line at an incredible rate. They are the best team in the, in the SEC at getting to the line, and Arkansas puts opponents at the line more than anybody in the SEC, uh, And it, which that leads me to another big difference between these two teams because both rely so heavily on free throw shooting, both get to the line a lot. The Aggies shoot about 5% better from the free throw line than Arkansas does. Uh, I really like the way AM's trending. Uh, they have a coach that I believe in who has not really been able to put it together until, you know, the last m- month or so, but it feels like he's really got things going now. Uh, so I'm probably looking at the road ags here. What about you? Seemed a little bit big to me based on your projection of four. Um, I... <laughs> I don't really know what to say about Arkansas. I keep waiting for them to to wake up and become the team that we a lot of people had as a top ten, potentially a, a, a not a long shot to win the national championship. But maybe they've lost too much with Nick Smith Jr. not really being available to them at all um, this season. Trayvon Brazil um, with his ACL injury, and and it might be one of those things where when you lose two important players, that I mean we've seen them lose let's see two of, or excuse me, win two of their last nine. So um, that's pretty rough. <laughs> and 
Um, I think if I'm if I'm counting it right, three of their nine, three of nine. They three beat Missouri. Nine. Thank you. Sorry. Um, and so I just like. I feel like there's some value in going against Arkansas because there's still a lot of belief in the marketplace that Arkansas is still this team that, that is going to um, turn around and maybe we should kind of give up on that idea because ultimately they're not the same team. They're not as talented. Um, they have a huge hole in three point shooting, which is scary. Um, I do wonder what AM will look like in a road game because they're ultimately, um, I think they're so reliant on, on forcing turnovers and their defense. Um, maybe it doesn't succeed as well against a six foot seven point guard and Anthony Black. Um, but ultimately, I feel like they can get into Arkansas and make it really hard for them to shoot, which they can't do or haven't proven they can do. Um, so I, I lean to the Aggies just, just with you as well. And I think what you said uh, is apt because they, they won at Florida. They won at South Carolina, and winning at South Carolina doesn't say much. Then they got they got handled pretty well at Kentucky. Although Kentucky, you know that that's we're talking about a week ago. Kentucky's playing pretty good ball uh, right now, so maybe it's not a shame to lose at at Rupp there. Uh, but then they came back and they not only won at Auburn, they dominated Auburn on the road. So maybe I'm getting to a point where I can trust A and M a little bit away from home. And Ken Palm made six game five. So if I'm short at four, I'd be surprised if the numbers weigh off that because we've talked about it before. The market very often just uses Ken Bob's numbers to open. Uh, so I would imagine you'll you'll be able to find a four, if not a better number than that. Uh, although, you know, when openers to the, if you're betting the morning of, maybe that money changes. Uh, but I mean, so AJ, I'm I'm kind of interested because. I feel like there is some value in going against Ken Palm numbers when they're so strongly built on what you've done. And, and I think we're now at the point of the season where preseason projections and things like that are officially out from Ken Palm. I still don't really know why they're included. But, I, you know, it's so. funny that you say that because I, I tend to agree, but Arkansas was projected for they were 14th in Ken Palm to start the season. Right now, they're 21. I mean, I don't, you can't tell me that like Arkansas has done the 21st best job of any team this season. Like clearly preseason is included in this. Cause like you just said, they've lost, th- they've, they've lost six of their last nine. Like there's no way you can look at this team right now and say, yeah, this is a top 25 team in the country based on what they've done this year. Cause it's just not true. I think, I think the 11 and one start with some good wins over Oklahoma, a, a decent Troy team, Creighton, uh, a no, loss, Creighton, they lost. Not, yeah, not but not an ugly loss, and, and no, so probably doesn't hurt them metrics wise. Um, it might be one of those where, like, if you start the year off really well and you lose some players, you might be overvalued because, unfortunately, that's where the metric systems do. They t- they treat you on the season; they don't really treat you in your last five, ten games, however that goes. So, um, I think there might be some value going against Arkansas until uh, that Kempom number gets a little bit more realistic. All right, let's go to. A place we haven't gone this year, Conference USA. That's right. Uh, Florida Atlantic at UAB. We're projecting UAB minus one here. These are the two best teams in Conference USA. All all due respect to North Texas. Uh, And the UAB game that was in Boca Raton was about as close as it could be. UAB was up 82-76 in that game with 348 to go. And the Owls finished on a 12-4 run. 
that's an ugly loss. John L. Davis scored 38 points for FAU in that game. And that was one of those that in hindsight, UAB is going to look back at it and go, man, everything went our way. And we still lost that game. UAB shot 50% from three in that game. They won the turnover battle. If you shoot 50% from three and you win the turnover battle, you almost always win those games. And uh, they did not. And Florida Atlantic hasn't lost a game since November 11th. That was the second game of the year. They have the nation's longest win streak at 20. And this is the toughest game left on their schedule. Uh, UAB is an elite offensive rebounding team. They usually shoot the ball pretty well. While And while 50% from three was certainly an outlier, like they are a really good shooting team. I, I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't trying to take anything away from them by saying they shot 50%. It's just nobody shoots 50%. Uh, that said, because they played so well and still lost that game, it's hard for me to look at Florida Atlantic as an underdog here when I've seen UAB sort of not play as well uh, the last few weeks. I guess not as well as I expected really since they lost that game. Uh, they, they've lost four of seven after that. So they've lost five of their last eight overall. And the wins are two over Louisiana Tech, one against Rice. So I'm not sure what's happened with UAB. And really, if you look back at their their resume, you say, well, what's the, what's the best thing that they've done? And it's probably a win over Georgia on a neutral and Georgia, who's again, in that conversation for worst team in the sec, non South Carolina bracket. Uh, so I, I don't know if UAB's early start going 12 and two kind of overvalued them, but I think Florida Atlantic is not just like mid major good. I think they're actually good, good and I, getting points. If I can get point and I, the market may uh, poo poo this, the market may say now, Florida Atlantic's going to be favored, uh, which is entirely possible. But if they, if it's in a possession, I'm 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 going to lean to Florida Atlantic. If there's a plus by the Owls, though, I'll be on Florida Atlantic here. What do you think? Um, it's interesting because the first time they played, I was really close to playing uh, Florida Atlantic. Actually, I think they were minus two, so they pushed the uh, closing number. But clearly, with that huge comeback at the end. Um, maybe wasn't necessarily deserved. Um, I think from the standpoint of how this, these teams entered the season, I don't think anyone really expect FAU to be this talented, but um, there were some signs of it with their win at Florida um, in early in the season in November, but um, we were also I, really kind of questioning Florida at that point too. We were, and I think Florida with a new coach also, you could probably speak a little bit to that too. Um, I just, UAB essentially came into this year as I thought a pretty big favorite to win the conference. Um, Dusty May's done really well at FAU over the years. And um, what this kind of feels like to me is ultimately UAB trying to reclaim the the power and the status that they had entering the year. Um, I don't, as you said, their schedule and their wins don't look great. Um, FAU is trying to get their way towards a, like an, a non-automatic bid potentially. I don't know that they've done enough despite a gaudy 21 and one record also undefeated 11 and 0 in conference. Um, I think UAB was expected to be the better team. I don't necessarily know if they are, but I think at home 
Um, they also play a, a kind of a tough game with they throw a lot of presses at you. Andy Kennedy loves changing defenses. Um, I think this is a UAB or nothing for me, just based on um, we thought this team was going to be better than FAU coming into the year. Certainly, we have to realize that things change during the season, and uh, sure. certainly that will affect where the numbers have gone. But just based on what that number closed at the first time in a very close game, um, it should really point to me being – to seeing UAB be a, a bigger favorite for this one. Um, but at, at minus one, as you're projecting that, that seems pretty cheap to me on, on UAB. Uh, not, not necessarily that it's wrong. It just doesn't really feel like based on that first meeting that too much has changed though. I guess FAU doesn't lose. So that maybe that's a big deal. All right. That will wrap our four biggest games as we finish with a little bit of disagreement there. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, Griffin, before we get to best bets, why don't you help the people save some money at pregame? I will. And this one actually is is a, a promo code catered to me. I mean, what's better than me talking about me? Um, we have a promo code GW, Griffin Warner, 24. Uh, you get $24 off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good for seven days from the podcast release. And what we're doing is we're selling uh, the rest of the season package. So normally it's $199 now for only $175 when you use that promo code GW24. Uh, I'm up 29.62 units, I guess, as of as of when this was published. Um, there's been some some ups, some downs since then. I think probably it's a little bit higher, actually. Um, and come along for the ride. I, I know we threw out AJ24 earlier. You can also look to, to his, uh, I guess, rest of season package as well. Um, we've had a good year so far. We're going to try to keep that up as much as we can. Um, but use promo code GW24 and uh, we'll get some credit. Yeah, it's uh it's been a good season for both of us, which is is always nice. And I'm currently, I think, for the season up twenty four and a half units uh, for the entire year. And Griffin is up thirty three units for the entire year. So, hello, uh, Griffin plays a little less volume than I do. <laughs> yeah, you uh, can say that. <laughs> slight, just slightly less. Uh, I want, Griffin, I want more volume. I can't find it. Yeah, it, it's just it's different different styles for us. Uh, but Griffin up thirty three units at about forty five plays, and I'm up uh twenty five or twenty four and a half, twenty five units at about uh two hundred and sixty something plays. So just. <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for uh, in your handicappers, but there's something for everyone, as they say, and uh, the money spins the same. All right, let's get to best bets. Uh, we did lose our first one in damn near a month, uh, but we go one and one on the pod. Griffin, I'm going to let you make the call on who leads off this round. Okay. Um, since you went first last time and I lost, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the T box here. And, All right. Uh, try to change that up. I mean, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Seven and one last four pods is not so bad, uh, but I'm going to go down South to a team. We actually just talked about the Florida Gators and it's a scary, scary play for me in this one. Uh, but you were projecting eight from Ken Palm, maybe nine potentially, um, but I think Florida as a home dog against Tennessee team is going to be a really good position to be in. Um, it's certainly not for the faint of heart. Florida is, to me, they're historically a really good program at home. Um, I'm not sure that I believe in all that Tennessee is throwing out there. Uh, I don't know, especially considering how close the, the Texas game got towards the end. I feel like this is going to be a really big test for Tennessee to go on the road in a hostile environment and have to win a game 
like handily. Unfortunately, I don't really see that happening. So I'm going to take Florida plus eight, according to Ken Palm right now. Certainly not a number that I'll be rushing into and probably one that I'll wait to play towards tip off. But uh, I like the Gators. I think they give the Vols a tough, tough game, especially after an emotional one, trying to get that win for Rick Barnes against his former uh, landing spot, I guess you'd say. And it is a, a rivalry game, certainly. I'm I'm scared to play against Tennessee right now. Yeah, I bet. Um, that's a it's a scary proposition, certainly. They are a force at the moment. I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go out to the whack and I'm gonna play Stephen F. Austin, projecting them a one point favorite on the road at New Mexico State. And the downside is Stephen F. Austin's lost their last two road games, which I'm guessing that's part of why we're getting them a little cheap here. Those two losses were at Southern Utah and at Sam Houston, probably two of the three best teams in the WAC, along with Utah Valley. New Mexico State is not, for the first time in it feels like forever, not amongst the worst team or amongst the best teams in the WAC. They are an absolute corpse. They are now 0 and 9 in conference. They have four D1 wins this season, and Stephen F. Austin would be their best win of the season. So, And on top of that, I lost betting against New Mexico State over the weekend. I bet Utah Valley. And as I was watching that game where Utah Valley was wearing horrific highlighter green uniforms that said Devil Bears on them, I don't know what a Devil Bear is, but I, it's not even their mascot. It's It was just a weird thing. And the announcers were calling them the Devil Bears, even though the court clearly says Utah Valley Wolverines. I don't know what was happening. That said, at the end of that game, we saw New Mexico State's best player, their senior point guard, Xavier Pinson, leave the game with an ankle, didn't want to put any weight on it, did not return to the game. So now we've got this New Mexico State team that's already bad without their senior guard and their best player or at least don't have him at 100% if they do have him, going against a team that is top five nationally in defensive turnover rate. I like my chances here, so I'm going to take Stephen F. Austin as a one-point favorite uh, at the at the Aggies of New Mexico State. A lot of Aggie talk on this uh, pod much. today. Too much Aggie talk for, uh, for Griffin the Longhorn there. Uh, so there you go. There are the best bets. We've got Florida, a big dog, and Stephen F. Austin, a short favorite. So hopefully we get back to our 2-0 and o ways. Griffin, it's always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, th- thanks to our audience for riding with us. We've got a lot... You know, we've gotten a lot of love on Twitter.com the last little while from our, thank you, our thank audience you. there. So uh, that's, been, that's been nice that you guys have appreciated the winners. It always feels good. Better than, like... You know what? Last season wasn't great. Last season there were there were a couple O and twos mixed in there, and it was rough times. I'm glad I'm glad for us that we're having a great season, and glad for our audience who's, that who's st- stuck with us uh, to get to the good stuff. So we will be back on Thursday night, preparing you for the weekend slate. Hopefully, this gets you through the early week with some winners, uh, and we will talk to you guys then. Best of luck. 